Dirt, a Go Loud original. This is episode three of Dirt with Dermot and Paul. Today we're in my garden. It's a lovely, calm, kind of early summer's day. Blue skies, just a gentle breeze. We're in the area around the tree ferns up near the back of the house. And we came out here about ten minutes ago. And it's a green area, not too many flowers. I'm just hit by this strong scent. And we have been searching for the last five minutes. Where is it coming from? What plant? Sometimes you get it in winter. There's a plant called Sweet Box. And it's a very boring looking solid green plant, which has the tiniest flowers. But it fills the garden with scent. It's just happened. Yeah. And we were looking around, couldn't figure it out. And all of a sudden we looked up and into the cordline, and it was in full bloom. The cabbage palm, one of the most boring common plants that you see all over the place, particularly in coastal areas, because it does really well. And it's covered in blossoms, and the scent is heavenly. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a bit shocking, and I suppose because it's up at that height, it's been carried by the wind, and the whole area is full of it. So that is really lovely. Today, we're talking about gardening. What's gardening? <laughs> Gardening in a car, uh, which is a very strange concept. Well, every landscaper is going to be familiar with this because there's always leftover plants. There'll be an old banger of a car. There might be some soil that falls out and then a fern that begins to grow or whatever. But this is gardening with a difference. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun to see how that works out. And then the other thing that happened was you got a bit of stick this week, didn't you? I did. I was doing something on breakfast telly over in the UK and I was encouraging people not to mow their grass. But the television station <laughs> sent me to a town an hour away and they put me on a fleshly lawn, mown lawn. And of course, I didn't think anything of it and whatever because there was loads of weeds in the lawn but the Daily Mail <laughs> readers <laughs> got a little bit annoyed by it The comments were colourful to say the least but I can't wait to hear all them So loads of stuff to do and to talk about some unconventional gardening on the podcast today Let's get started Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith A Go Loud original When Dermot is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago and the second best time? No. Ah, damn. <laughs> Did I, I got boat right? Yeah, yeah. So it's absolutely true. 20 years ago, to get it established would have been a brilliant time. Rather than thinking about it, just do it 20 years ago. And if you didn't do it then, do it today. Yeah, yeah, because trees take time to grow, to mature, and to become the beautiful things that they do in gardens. And every garden, no matter... How big, how small can sustain a tree or multiple trees? And trees add so much to the environment for so many hundreds, thousands of different reasons. They purify the atmosphere, they create oxygen, they store carbon. And they are green. They just, you know, green is a calming colour that we just love and we need to have in our gardens and associate with just calmness. And And they also sustain a huge amount of other life form. Pests, bugs and diseases are things we term as pests, bugs and diseases, but things that are very valuable for the whole ecosystem and very valuable for us as humans. And lots of the ornamental trees that we grow also have flowers and fruit, and that is also hugely beneficial to lots of things like birds and pollinators and all those other things. So there are so many reasons. There's more reasons to plant a tree in your garden than not, basically. Absolutely. And you might think, well, I've only a small front garden or whatever. Adding to your streetscape... A street that is planted with trees, no matter how small, is, can be a beautiful thing. 
And often on Instagram, I will put up street scenes from Bonn where they have cherry trees and it just they just form tunnels almost over the, uh, you know, right the way down uh, a road which bursts into blossom and bursems in March and it just looks amazing and it attracts people from all over the world to see them. In Pretoria, you might have the jacaranda tree, which again purple at a different type of the year. I think it's when students are meant to be are doing their exams and they're always a big distraction for the the, the students. Trees are really beautiful. They are. And they're great landmarks too in an area. I remember the first time that I started to work with you in Dublin, it was around March and all of the cherries were flowering. And I was using the cherries around Dublin as the markers. I have to turn left at that cherry tree, turn right there because it was one of the things that as a gardener you become aware of trees a lot more. But that, it just, that's it. Mind yeah, you, yeah. that is you. That's me all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use a tree instead of a traffic light to look, you know, when to go. Your favourite tree, not your favourite species of tree, your pr- favourite tree that you've seen planted anywhere. Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. I actually, only yesterday I saw the most amazing mountain ash. I had to drive through Wicklow up the mountains and there was this amazing bluebell wood and a mountain ash tree on its own and it was covered from head to toe in flowers just incredible and I suppose that's my favourite one of the moment Yeah, well your hesitancy did point something out because people yeah. are always asking as gardeners what's your favourite and it changes every day Yeah, yeah there's no way you can ever answer that it's like asking your favourite child You didn't ask me What's your favourite tree, Dermot? There's an Arbutus, which is oh, a yes. Killarney strawberry tree outside the canteen in RTE. And they, when they were building the canteen, they shaped it around this tree. So they And they've moved it, chunk I think, it. as well. And they've moved this tree yeah. twice, you know, 30, 40 years ago when people didn't move. But, well, people have been moving huge trees for years. But when it wasn't a done thing. And it is... A thing of beauty, it's an evergreen, and actually it's one of the ones in my list. What list? List? We have a list. <laughs> well, we both have separate uh, lists because we want Aideen to have a tree. We do, and we want to see if our lists are going to kind of complement each other, or have we went down totally different routes? Have we so, gone down totally different routes? Is that better English? <laughs> or gooder English? <laughs> so... Uh, we are on this task of trying to make Aideen's garden better and everybody's garden is better. So we've been talking about trees. My garden isn't huge, but it's about 60 different trees in it. Some big, one established pine that had been there before I moved in uh, and many, many small garden trees. So Aideen, we have both been working separately, coming up with our list of not the rarest or the most unusual or whatever, just good, practical and most importantly, easily available trees. And we're both going to try and sell you on our list. So this is like a penalty shootout. I have my five. He's his five. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. And they're never in the two shall meet. Uh, So my number one is a crabapple. And Mm. it's number one for a few reasons. Small tree. It can be pruned if you've got a small garden where you don't have a lot of space for it to grow. It flowers its socks off in March and April time, covered in blossoms like a cherry tree. 
and then later on in the year about November October time it has the most amazing apples you can get lots of different colours there's a variety called Rudolph which is the most amazing red and then deep red fruit afterwards and it goes right up to Christmas time you can use them in your Christmas decorations around Christmas week as well so you know well, here's I'm a good really one I'm really into this dear it's yeah. interesting but it's a bit it is the Carlo of trees you yes, know what I mean not, you a know crab it, apple tree is covered you know it's in there, the they're like mini baubles at Christmas time. to go there do you know it's a street tree it's okay then every, Technically, everything he's saying is right, but it's ever so slightly... Okay, hit me. What's your... It's ever so slightly boring. Ever so slightly. He's quite right. It is useful. Nobody uses it. It's holiday at Christmas. You know It's not. They're like mini baubles. You don't even need a Christmas tree. It's actually lit. You don't even need lights on it. It's just amazing. What's your one? My one, because actually I've had a hint of what Aideen wants, so I've been slightly smart about this uh, and maybe changed it last minute. My one... (laughs) It's going to be evergreen. It's going to grow fast. It's going to be perfect for privacy. It's going to flower at the most unusual time of the year. I know what it is. With a most unusual yellow fluffy oh, flower. Oh, so and predictable. I've won. I've won. It's acacia. Uh, the, uh, acacia dalbata. It's it's an amazing tree. Now, it has a couple of... Is your location, is your garden, is it sheltered? No. It's not sheltered and it is overlooked by the house behind us. We'll just cross that off the list then because it won't work because it's it, really it, brittle. It, it, it can be a little bit brittle and it can suffer from it. It's, if, what I would do is I would plant the acacia as a very young specimen. Aideen, this is the most glorious tree. It has fern-like foliage, really light fern-like foliage. It grows super fast. It never gets too big. And in January into February, you would think you were living in Hawaii. It'll block out your neighbours completely. It's a perfect tree. Now, I would plant it as a young specimen so that it gets used to your sudden situation so it doesn't need staking. It'll be absolutely fine. Far too big. It will outgrow that space in no length. You'll have Ooh. to be pruning it every other year. Oh, your that husband intimidates will me be, now. Yeah, 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 yeah Paul, No, no, a... it's just far too fast growing for a small oh, suburban garden. you didn't jump garden. in on Carla. Well, no, I, and he's it's... wrong. I feel a it's a bigger tree than a crab apple. Crab apples are a much compacter, smaller oh, yeah. tree. They're, yeah, if they are the Carlo of trees. I have a soft spot for crab apple trees. My grandmother had one in her sort of fruit garden, so, you know. Ah, one point to Paul. <laughs> 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 My next one is one we've already spoke about, and that's the Arbutus. Uh, no, I have it, and I spoke Well, about now, it. if we both have it, that means it must be a good tree. So, yes, granted. Okay, yeah. so great minds think alike and fools seldom differ and all that. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah Arbutus yeah. is an underused tree. Slower growing mm-hmm. than either of the two we talked about previously, but evergreen and fruits, not a uh, nice tasty fruit. The uh, the fruits look like strawberries, but they do not taste They're like edible, strawberries. but they don't taste And much. fruits and flowers at the same time, which yeah. is incredibly unusual. It is a tree that doesn't look as if it's native to Ireland, but is. Um, and I think was left here after the last, since before the last Ice Age, was it? It's more like a Mediterranean. It it's comes from, like yeah, there's a kind of a long history. There's a lot of theories as to how it's native to this island. It's not native to anywhere else on the British Isles, but it is native to Clarny, which is weirdly, really weird. It has the but most gorgeous kind of scaly, flaky, mahogany, reddish-brown bark. It is heaven. And yeah. The leaf is interesting. The flower is interesting. The fruit is interesting. Slightly slow growing, but once it's established, it's the only tree. It's the only tree you need. Yeah, a little bit boring, but it's a great evergreen tree. Back to well, yeah. I mean, it's not the most foriferous. Okay, on it's a scale not of boring that and the crab apple. Oh, it's it's off the scale. Off the scale. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So whose turn is it next? You're, well, we've both done that. So okay, I'm going to go for Betula utilis. 
Oh my, how very 1970s. <laughs> the birch trees are wonderful. And again, on, uh, uh, used everywhere, but underappreciated, I would think. You're not going to disagree with this, are you? They are used everywhere, but they are fantastic. And their bark in the wintertime is really what, you know, shines for them. They are lovely now because they're coming into leaf. They've got the most zesty lime green colour on the leaf when they come into leaf. And they look kind of okay. They're quite light as well. They don't have a real dense foliage. So if you don't want something to block all the light and kind of, you know, create... Deep, deep right, shade is good. Marches, right. I am selling your one for you now, yeah. But I do like it, so I can't disagree entirely. You're not going to like my one. It's actually kind of similar to it. Oh, no. Well, I've just went oak because... Oh, well, oak is great. They're majestic. Totally unpractical for Aideans, And this was the basis of the discussion. Well, I was just, you know, my top five, top five trees. I didn't really think we were going to put them into Aideans, uh garden. So oak trees are just majestic. You can oh, get brilliant. smaller varieties. Yeah. They are, you know, they're native. They sustain more wildlife than any other, I think, plant that we have native to this country. They are just fantastic, but maybe a bit big. Yeah, and especially in turbulent times, if you get to plant an oak anywhere in your garden, if you have an estate or... Um, you know, in the country somewhere or sponsor somebody planting an oak tree. I put one on a roundabout place, near you or because something. they will last five, six, seven, eight hundred years. They're astonishing. They are. And they are just gorgeous. So, you know, again, we can't disagree there. They're we nice trees. We can't disagree. Snowy Mespel, Amalachia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great small tree. Really great small tree. Has the most delightful flowers um, early in spring, very early in spring, before the foliage comes on. Really delightful. Really, really pretty. Never get too big. Nice shape. Can be grown in a pot if you're in a, if you have a small garden or you, if you have a terrace, just top dress it. Make sure you keep it well watered. Um, bit overused again though you start to see them along the side of motorways so you know it gets a little bit boring so I would avoid that one and I would go you, you for just went oh yeah nice tree but it's overused you did kill it with the word motorway I have to say excellent <laughs> motorway really there's a buzzword there like yeah i'm gonna keep that one well i saw them along the n11 only this year gone when they're flowering because they don't stand out for a lot of the year because they're quite boring my uh, next your, one your next one you're fine. japonica the snowbell oh, tree this here is just the most fantastic small tree Aideen, it is covered in snowdrop-like flowers in May-June time. He's Absolutely top to bottom. I'm obsessed by snowdrops, but for good reason. I'll tell more about that later. Absolutely covered in these white kind of bell dangling flowers. Gorgeous things. Top to bottom. You cannot see for the flowers on the tree. Later on, the leaves are small, green, quite nice. It looks great for nearly two full months of the year. It doesn't get the good cover. autumn so foliage is so beautiful. It goes the most intense butter yellow in the autumn time. You get maybe two, three weeks of the most intense colour. It loses its leaves and it's got a nice kind of structure for over the winter time. A really, really great tree as well. Meh. <laughs> Just because you know it's good. Go for a pine tree. Well, pine I've, is quite good. I have one final one. Scots, and Scots pine. I'd go for a Scots pine. Okay, well, I'd go for cherry, but I wouldn't go for any cherry. I'd go for Prunus Kojo no Mai, which is a small ah, cherry. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's more it's, like a shrub. It's but more like a shrub, and even at that, it's a tiny shrub. And Aideen wants to hide her now. It's like a bonsai know. cherry tree. Okay, it won't do that, but it is the most yeah. amazing. And it, it is a tree. Height, it grows a bit taller this, than this that. Container. <laughs> yeah, a bit taller than that, yeah. Yeah. It Okay, right. Yeah. Well, you can't so visualise that. So your choices of trees. Can we go over them again? Paul, give me your first out of five. My first was crabapple. My first was arbutus. My second was arbutus. My second was acacia. I then went for oak, which is a bit big, but anyway. Then I went for betula utilis. Which is birch in kind of normal language. I then went to styrax japonica, which is a snowbell tree. And I went for a snowy mespel. 
And I finished with Prunus Kojo no Mai, which is a small dwarf oriental ch- or, or ornamental cherry, I should say. And I ended with an oriental maple. That's exceptionally yep. difficult. Yeah, I, I can tell you the best tree from that for your particular okay. situation. And he will agree is the acacia. No, it's, it's not. It's it too is. windy and it's too big. I think that will eat you out of house and home and you'll regret it. It won't. He's talking eucalyptus style there. It is. It's as bad as eucalyptus. It is not. It grows like the clappers. I'm going to show. I'm going to get a picture. What happened to the one in your garden, Mr. Gavin? It's looking great. After what? It's looking great. What? what, uh, Something about splitting last winter? What happened in the wind last winter? Did it recover? Perfectly. Uh, perfectly well. Now, question for you. You want more than one tree, right? Because you, when one is bare, you kind of want to look at something. So No. 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 Interesting. Okay. In a small garden, you use trees very, very carefully. So you use trees as your specimen plant. We decided to start talking about trees to get something into the ground in a, in a bare garden. So don't confuse matters when you're talking about specimens. Just think of one plant and really put the time into considering is your site, situation, climate and soil right for it. So everything else out of your mind and decide on one. All these are good small to medium trees for small to medium sized gardens. And it's a kind of compact list. We haven't made it difficult. We haven't made these trees uh, unachievable. Everybody can go to the local garden centre, either get it that day or order it for uh, a They're few all available. Yeah, yeah. Love it. That but sounds great. Could you not pick two? I would be. I can never pick one favourite. So two from that. One from each of us, maybe. Well, no. If we were going one from each of us, I'd go for two from my list. I'd go for Acacia Dalbata and the Arbutus, which was also on your list. I would go for the crab apple and maybe the Acacia, just to keep you quiet. So funny. You're so funny with the crab apple. It's a street tree. It's not, though. I've seen it in the last... I Maybe I taught that a year ago, but in the last year, I've seen it in a few different it's places. It's why I like gardening with you, because you do go for the off-the-wall choice. That's not off the wall. I mean, it is. It's the the one that gets that's behind. It's a tree with no friends in the playground, and yet they are just beautiful. They're nice, and they've got nice autumn foliage and autumn color, and they have got great apples. They're craggy. On them. Do and you know that they're craggy? They go up and uh, and uh, and. Uh. Oh, but that's just beautiful. The shape of that, just the structure yeah. of it. Look at. I've managed to convince Aideen no, now. No, so Dermot has turned me now when he. Ah, I get the craggy one. <laughs> I bet you I'd end up with the craggiest. And they're we'll not a nice shape. A they're not a nice they shape. They are gorgeous shapes. What is the one I can't kill? All of them. Yeah, they're all relatively easy. They all have their own issues because we all have our own issues, but they're all relatively easy. And our challenge to you is this time next week, we want to see a picture of whatever tree from that list in your garden. And we want to see how you've planted it. When establishing any tree in a garden, so no matter what it is, you're going to have to do a few basic things. Number one, prepare the hole really well. If you can, add some compost because you only get a chance to plant it once and it's really worth putting in an extra bit of compost, manure, whatever you have on hand when you're planting it. And the final thing is make sure you water it. Keep on top of watering, particularly for that first year. It's a year of establishing that's important. And apart from that, every single one of those trees will survive. There's no reason why they wouldn't. It's a whole new thing to you. You haven't picked a tree before, so pick the one that you think looks best of the lot. I will. I'm very superficial, so that probably is what will happen. Well, that's brilliant, because that's what you need. You know, you need to pick the best, really, Yeah. in that sense. It's very handy that you're superficial working <laughs> with us. 
Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith, a Go Loud original. I hated the fact that he said you two are from a different generation to me. That really, that... It's a great intro to this. I hated that. We've just been accosted by a guy from Algeria who swears that our children did karate together. My little one has never seen, doesn't know what karate is. But anyway, and he said, Aideen and Paul were... <laughs> Well, never saw the 70s, basically. And why are we here? <laughs> We're at your car. We're acting suspiciously, loitering with parked, intent. Parked in double yellow lines. Parked in double yellow lines in the city centre. So you have a landscaper's van? Yeah, yeah. It's a van. It's full of everything and anything. And usually, usually a landscaper's van will have something growing in it, but not intentionally. Oh, look, there is... You couldn't wait to do that. I know. Do you see that, Aidy? Do you see the way... <laughs> the, yeah. So smooth. So, in the back, he has... The, well, you tell me what there is. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I would think that looks like a cannabis grow house if I was a guard just quickly opening it. <laughs> Paul uh, has left. It was in the, yeah. <laughs> it's digital. It's foxglove. Yeah. Uh, and time, I think. Yeah, is that time? Bits and pieces. These and are, bits and You'll always have leftover bits when you're doing landscaping. And sometimes they start to grow because it's just specks of dirt that build up uh, under your feet in the footwell and something will say a fern will start to grow. But we're going to either start a trend or follow one. A bit of both, but I'm very excited because I'm getting the first ever car that Dermot Gavin has designed and he's planting it. <laughs> Cardening, it's called. So it's a craze that has been sweeping nowhere <laughs> since lockdown. <laughs> and we often think that gardens are the cars are the perfect place to have some landscaping. There's a bit of a history in this because when the first cars were invented, they were very smelly and the environment was very smelly and it was oil all over the place and people were very smelly. Are if you go into a landscaper's van at the end of a day. But this <laughs> is true. A hundred years ago, they used to have vases in cars. Um, for smelly flowers. For, with scented oh, flowers. Master smell. To master smell of sel- <laughs> smelly people and machinery. And even more recently, when the new, the 90s, when the new Vox- Volkswagen Beetle came out, they had a little vase for gerberas, and that was all, it was flower power, wasn't it? Uh, but we are going to plant up Paul's dashboard, because a dashboard in a car is the perfect place for some types of plants and there are plants that will take all sorts of different all sorts of rough conditions there are plants that have plants that have withstand um, heat and cold sunshine um, and uh, long cool dark uh, nights and neglect let's face it because this isn't going to be looked after a lot so these are going to have to be plants that will do well without having a whole lot of attention if any let's be honest and they're not going to be looked after because they belong to a gardener. It doesn't make sense. So this is Paul's car, landscape van. And I am going to plant it up as a little gift to Paul. We went down the shop this morning and we... I'll show you what we have. But I'm not putting my hand in that bag because it's horrible. It's a bag full of cactus Two, three, four, five, and six, succulents seven. and all sorts of really... Well, brilliant plans for this situation, I suppose. So it's a challenging situation, as Paul has just said. It's a, uh, what, what do they call it? It's just a dip in the dashboard, isn't it? People would generally hold a phone there, a wallet, a purse, something like that. Uh, junk, basically. And it has no drainage holes, but it is right beside an in. It's a perfect greenhouse. The glass, uh, the, what do we call these things? Windows. Window. The, yeah, what do you call it? The windscreen. The windscreen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean gardening world. The inscre- windscreen is at an incline, 
there is no drainage in this area, so I'm going to put some drainage and in. And we so. are not drilling my van. I just want to make that very clear. Now, normally, <laughs> we... God, this seems weird. I'm putting... Uh, it's silly gravel. It's decorative gravel, but it's for aquariums and terrariums. So I've just poured some in for drainage. Uh, stop the water sitting and the roots sitting in water which is really important for all these types of plants any indoor plant hate sitting in water and this gravel will just give a little bit of a protection protective barrier underneath and now on top of this Dermot has a trowel and he's I'm shoveling I'm going to shovel in some will you take some photos of this because it's it's <laughs> I've never done this before it is compost and it is sterile soil-based compost really important that it's sterile so it's come from a bag or you've cooked it or you've microwaved it or whatever if it's sterile it means that there'll be no weed seeds in here and I'm putting in a bit I'm looking for a bit of three centimeter depth this is ridiculous it, <laughs> It's a trough or a, a shallow trough or window box. And I'm just spitting, I'm making a good, nice, even bed there. So I think that's enough. Next, I'm going to look at the range of plants that I have. So the plants I have are, as Paul was saying, cacti and succulents. There are plants that have evolved in inhospitable situations, in desert-like situations. But remember, in desert-like situations, it will be very hot and bright during the day, but it'll be very cool in the evening. And there will be quite a lot of precipitation around. There'll be quite a lot of water resting on. So these plants have adapted to become vessels to store water. And they've adapted because they're storing water, obviously that water is going to be very valuable for any creatures of the desert and to protect themselves and to make sure that they live long and can procreate. Many of them have adapted by growing these thorns. And cacti and succulents are difficult at the best of times. So I have a nice little trick. I'm looking sure forward to, to seeing you getting your hands destroyed in cactus thorns because you've picked some particularly vicious uh, little specimens here. Yeah, I have done. But I'm using, this is the trick, you get a piece of cardboard. Did you know this, Edith? No. So you get some cardboard. Do you know what I'm going to do with it? It's brilliant. Because uh, these are very prickly. And I'm going to wrap it round the plant. And I'm going to lift the plant out of the pot that it was grown in. And I'm able to hold it really safely there and now I'm going to use my fingers to dig a little hole. What's your planting scheme here? In the dashboard. <laughs> I'm going for an arid desert-like look. <laughs> Very good. Um, and you're just making a kind of dib in the soil with your finger and shoving the cactus in. It's as simple as that. You're I'm, I'm doing some root pruning because your particular base is very shallow, so I've done some root pruning. Well, I don't think the manufacturers had considered root run when they were designing the dashboard here, but there you go. <laughs> and now I'm bringing it, I'm just bedding it in and I'm using my fingers very, very carefully around the root ball to bed it in. And that is a furry looking cactus full of spines and pricks and whatever but it's furry looking do you know why that's furry looking Paul 
Do you know why to do it's with water that? loss, isn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah. First of all, it reduces water loss because it's covering these fine hairs, but it also traps water. When it does eventually rain in the desert, uh, it's kind of really fine and fibrous, and the water droplets will hold onto that plant, and therefore it will get water because it doesn't rain very often where these things come from. Think of the you know desert cactus, Arizona, those kind of places, um, you know where there's very very little rainfall, and they take every opportunity to avail of rainfall when it does come. So here's the second one, and this is extreme. This is like a porcupine. It's extremely prickly, but because I have it wrapped in this small piece of um, of cardboard, <laughs> uh, it's very easy for me to manipulate into position. You're quite a messy gardener, I have to say. Do you think? Well, it's your car. I'm not. You know, it's not like you're a client. And I am. I'm an odd designer because I've paid for. You know, I, you've just increased the value of my car now. I've done the I design. That, yes. Yeah, I have supplied the all the materials indeed. A lot of it came from my garage. Maybe I should sell it now. When is it due the NCT? <laughs> Next month. <laughs> is it? Yes. Oh, this is so brilliant. I wish I was there. Can you video that? Oh, shit. <laughs> for listeners outside of Ireland, the NCT is... I think it's am for cars, I suppose. Like... Uh, <laughs> The National Car Test. Oh, yes, yes. It's an exam for girls. What does the girl have to know to pass the test? So I'm going for at the idea of a landscape from Arizona. I am now backfilling. The third one has gone in. That's looking really good. Do you like that, Paul? I actually do. Yeah, it's actually cool to see a bit of greenery in the car. I am... I've just realised what am I going to do when I get this thing tested but what, it will be you're not breaking any rules you're not no no well they ask you to have your boot cleaned and they don't want any dog hairs in the back what are they going to make of this <laughs> yeah I, I think it doesn't interfere with anything oh, it'd be great if it didn't pass you could go to the papers if it didn't pass the test <laughs> uh, because there are no rules or the rules haven't been written or scale and they'd end up having to put in clauses <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> planting cars uh, so cool. You've just put in a hairy echeveria. So echeveria is a little different to the cactus, slightly different um, beast, but they are, again, succulent and well used to growing in those dry conditions. All of these plants have to be adapted now, and suited to that. This one... I, I like this. It's very odd. These cacti have been grown in a peat-based compost. N- not the best, I wouldn't have thought, for cactus. They sell... Uh, for just three euros each and I think they're aimed at children so that's starter gardening kids love them Um, they're very I remember as a kid having a cactus that I kept alive for years and you don't have to do that and do them you know they are the ultimate kind of plant for beginners or kids or whatever because you just forget about them they're not pretty mind you when they do flower these are extraordinarily beautiful they produce often daisy like but really colourful flowers in pinks and whites and magentas. Well, Paul, would you pass me just about a handful of, thank you, of compost? And it is humorous, but it should work. I've seen, I've seen buses that have sedum roofs in in Europe, and a lot of people are going towards green energy. And if it goes, even if this, your new mobile garden just became a talking point Paul so that this is very Dermot Gavin he does this with tree ferns as oh. well ah he's got pricked <laughs> this one is fighting me great I've settled it in now will you come in with the trowel thank you nurse thank you and a bit more nurse 
put a little bit more. So now I have it fully planted. What a mess. We've, we've forgotten to bring a brush. Um, no, I, I can I can blow it down your ventilation system. Here we go. Look at the cobwebs. It's all been caught in the cobwebs in your car. Hey, brush. Hey, <laughs> brush. Um, sorry. <laughs> Are you going to finish this off with something? Yeah, I have I have lovely, uh, really nice decorative effect. Uh, I'm going to make a lunar landscape. Um, can you open that for me? Yeah. Um, so what I'm going to do now is just put a surface over, over the compost of white gravel. So this is for terrariums or aquariums and it'll do a few different things it'll keep the base of the cacti settle in because it'll weigh them oh, down sure about the, white. The, the white is a little bit ultra it's extra it's out there but then so are you but it'll make the cacti sing it'll settle it'll help to settle them in and it will keep moisture away from the base of the plant which we do with a lot of these type of plants and alpines when we're planting them in gardens not that there'll be it doesn't rain much in my van, oddly enough. <laughs> but it does work better outside for these alpine plants. You're getting stones in my vent. Oh, this is cool, Paul. Even if the gravel is what? You have a cool landscape. Aideen, what do you think? I, I think it looks deadly. It is massively on brand for a gardener to rock up to a client with this in their, their on their dash. I'm just wondering about, you know, Magellan or Yaris. I mean, beside her Padre Pio or, you know, how it'll look. <laughs> It's Stop great. putting it down the vent. What does, <laughs> <laughs> what does the vent do? It's gonna blow. No, don't. You're destroying it. <laughs> Jesus, that was a belt and a half. That was a bitch slap. Well, you can't. You you covered the vent in stones. Yeah. I'm gonna turn that on now in a cold day, and I'll get <gasps> spiked with stones. Stop doing it. <laughs> uh, and now I'm gonna water. Is that water? Yeah. Oh, there's some seaweed feed in it too. You don't need. To. I know, but we had it. <laughs> So, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, it's just water. With some Did you get that belt? What did it sound like? Yeah, this is sound bitch slappy. Good. With a lot of depth to it. That's good. <laughs> well, it's easy knowing it's not your car. <laughs> oh, this is really good. It's a really good way of watering. Because I'm aiming the spray at the base of the plant. And because I've used soil-based compost, it's absorbing everything straight away and it's clearing away any of the dusts that I've generated and everything has been settled in. But I think you've a nice landscape, you little bollocks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. That's some of your finest work. <laughs> Let's have a look. I quite like that. It is a perfect situation. So all he has to do is make sure to First of all, drive carefully, no speed bumps, um, and park as much as possible in an open sunny situation. Then the windscreen will become like a greenhouse, but it will be fascinating to see how they respond to this sort of condition. Plants like growing together, so these were all in individual pots. Now they've been repotted into a soil-based compost. 
Okay, so, so if you don't have a recess in your dash, where else could you? Uh, macrame, climbers, you could have a spider plant, you could have a little vase that you can attach with a suction device. Let's keep an eye on this over the next while and update. What happens if you do have an accident and they, all these cacti come flying at you? You're in the passenger seat. <laughs> I'm going to take the bus. Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith, a Go Loud original. You were on Breakfast Telly talking about something a bit funny, weren't you? Well, it's not a little bit funny. So no? it was a few weeks ago and it was uh, the time. You know the way they give things names like the Chelsea Chop? There's mm. a new one and it's No Mo May. Do you know what that is? It's quite self-explanatory, but it's just not mowing in the month of May. Is that it? It's not mowing your grass in okay. the month of May, or if you do mow, have the blades very, very high. And it's a hot topic at the moment because gardeners, prominent gardeners are coming out to say, look, this is a good idea, and it's a good idea for environmental reasons. And because Breakfast Silly in the UK always loves a bit, little bit of bite, uh, they asked me to debate with somebody live on it, <laughs> which was, well, they asked, I was filming a makeover series and they asked me to drive to Preston, I think it was Preston, and I arrived at this house, they put me in a beekeeper's uniform and they put me on a freshly mown lawn. Beautiful lawn. A beautiful lawn. <laughs> well, it was beautiful in that it was full of weeds. I, I really liked it. It was full of dandelions and daisies, which we know is a perfect pollinating plant. To debate with a former presenter of Gardener's World, Pippa Greenwood, the issue. And there's no debate. Well, the thing is, you both agreed with each other, but you couldn't. No, she didn't. She disagreed. But really, she agreed with you as well. You just couldn't yes. be seen to do it. So she, you know, UK had got no points in the Eurovision the week before, a few days before, so I just, whenever she made a point, I just kept shouting, no pois, no pois, <laughs> because it's ridiculous. The idea of, oh, and then the Daily Mail jumped in, so they That made, was my favourite bit. <laughs> they made a feature. The comment section in any newspaper is always worth looking at, particularly for a controversial topic. And then, so uh, they made a feature of it. They named and shamed me, and I had said this, and they had a picture of me dressed as a beekeeper uh, on somebody's neatly mown lawn and of course the comment section so this was from Fishkeeper hate this obsession with overgrown grass and unsightly weeds local parks and verges look horrible my lawn is a lawn not dinner for insects I've plants in beds for bees etc now I get that that we have plants in beds for bees etc but not enough so much of our garden area is given over to grass and the problem with that is we cut the grass before it produces anything beneficial for the environment. Okay, it produces some oxygen, but really what we need is pollinators, pollen-producing plants, because if we want to continue to eat, most of our food needs to be pollinated. So whether it's moths at night on the grass or whether it's bees and other uh, creepy crawlies during the day, we need it. So if everybody did mow their lawn a little bit less, that's it, isn't it? It's all about balance. It's not that we want everyone to just stop mowing their lawns kind of, you know, full stop and that's it. There's a balance to be struck here. You can mow paths through your lawn. You can leave an area that you don't use as frequently. If you have kids, you need to mow your lawn. Otherwise, they'll come in covered in, you know, all sorts of stuff. You so need to mow your lawn if you need you have to be kids, practical but, about it. But allow the buttercups to grow. Allow the moss to grow. Allow the daisies to grow. Allow the dandelions to grow. And let's get out of this obsession with gardens been neat and tidy that is a style and it's a style that is no good for our greater environment 
And the other thing you can do is add things to the lawn to make it interesting. So lots of people often have snowdrops and daffodils in their lawn, but you can add other things. You can add alliums for later in the season. They're flowering around now. They can look brilliant. You've already said about the N11, how that looks fantastic. So the N11 is way near where, oh, yeah. uh, where I live, leads into the city. And they've just allowed it to grow mild. Or even Trinity College. So uh, I, I live near Dublin. The big university is Trinity. Had beautiful lawns out at the front of it. And they've stripped them and they've put in pollinating plants. We'll come back to this topic about alternatives. Yeah, what but to for do. the moment, it's just about don't be so neat. I do love when you say, Paul, oh, uh, it's all about balance. And you and me are so extra. And not very balanced. <laughs> I mean, you know, it really gets me. We do have this obsession with everything being clean, neat and tidy. And it's almost shame on you if you don't have, you know, your bedding plants, your hanging basket, your lawn with the lines uh, up and down it. It's meant to be a virtuous signal. And the truth should be the other way around. And it's your bloody neighbours going to Mass on a Sunday morning that was, uh, you know, the tweaking, twitching of the net curtains or whatever. Look at her. Look at Mrs. Gavin. Her garden's a mess. I.e. she's a hussy. Hasn't, hasn't cut her lawn in weeks. You know what I did? My, I rented a house in Wales a couple of years back and the word around the village was, oh, there's a gardener in, great. You know, he's going to have the most amazing. It was a beautiful little Welsh long cottage like, our, you know, our traditional Irish cottages. And I didn't mow the lawn for the first six months until my landlord came with a letter kindly asking me to please cut the grass. And the neighbours thought that it was shocking that this gardener could live in this state. Now, there's an old different debate here about the gardeners never having a neat garden. But I didn't need to mow the lawn. It was a beautiful wild lawn that I didn't want to cut. So what we need is a whole change in attitude. We don't own the environment. We're looking after the environment. We have to invest for the kids and for the future generations. But also we're not the only creature that lives in that piece of land Yeah, we uh, share it with lots of things and if we don't let the garden be untidy around the edges and yeah maybe have some areas that are neat and tidy but if you were to wander through my garden or his garden you'd be horrified the amount of weeds that I let grow I have this thing with the weeds until they're as tall as I am I leave them in and then at that some point I kind of go oh I probably should take that out it's ruining a picture you know it's a very lax attitude to gardening and you're the same I think it should be no more May no more June no more July I think it should well there comes a point where you have to for a few different reasons to allow seed to fall to allow the habitat to be opened up for other things so you know not mowing indefinitely will just turn it into a big patch of brambles. So there's an element of maintenance you need to create a garden and to actually have a garden and not just a space that goes totally feral. And the thing that you and I shouldn't forget is that we're having a garden festival in September down in Kerry and there's a lawnmower company who are thinking of sponsoring it. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> And I didn't tell my agent I was in this. I didn't tell the agent I was in this uh, on the other morning on Good Morning Britain. And he arrived and he said, we need to talk. <laughs> he says, the only people I have to sponsor your bloody festival are <laughs> lawnmower company. Uh, I never put two and two together. But anyway, there you go. But you do need lawnmowers. <laughs> you do need lawnmowers. And you can leave that in if you want. Uh, it is quite funny. <laughs> Um, I want to I hear some more Daily Mail comments. I want, I want to hear the, what a complete idiot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go for it, Paul. Uh, yeah, the Daily Mail comments were just fantastic. Uh, 
there's two comments around the same vein. Uh, Old Cynic sixty. You can always tell by the name that these people leave as their kind of username. So Old Cynic sixty from London says, "What an idiot." Followed by Chris, who underneath says, "What a complete idiot." And they got a few hundred likes each. All about your discussion about what to do with the lawn or what not to do with the lawn. Not a user says. We've enough rules. I want a nice lawn. I don't need this idiot telling me I can't. I don't think you're an idiot. What do you think? <laughs> we'll save that for a future podcast. Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith. A um, Go Loud original. Now we're, we're on Gardner's question time. So we'd love if you could send in your questions. The great thing about gardening questions, if you're having an issue in your garden, it's most likely that hundreds or thousands are also. So we're going to pick the questions that are most applicable to all gardeners out there, are most unusual. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of the normal common ones and then the odd one that's a bit of an outlier. Okay, the first one is in from Desi. Could you suggest a low shrub or bush that could be put along the side of a shed, which is fine, but it's a semi-shaded area. Something with coloured flowers would be nice to break up the newly painted shed to break up the newly painted oh probably standing out a little bit uh, would a rose bush be an option uh, would be an option roses don't need they need good light but not a kind of 12 hours of no you sunlight. can get away with a rose on a wall without a lot of light but and it's a lot not of the best the, option no and the way to find out what works there a lot of the rose suppliers have kind of filters on their websites to be able to tell you which one will work on a situation oh, like it's that it's too bloody complicated those, those things well yeah, you it, to, if you, you really want a rose but yeah yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say a rose bush okay, would be Desi doesn't really yeah. want it because he's written to us yeah. so I'd say something like hydrangea the climbing one or the normal one or both? Oh, climbing one is interesting. No, he's no, painted no. the... the uh, so he doesn't want to on it. He wants exactly. the normal. Yeah. The, the, the climbing hydrangea, hydrangea petiolaris, uh, which is the main climbing one, will cling to it and it'll ruin his paintwork. But yeah. a normal hydrangea planted alongside the shed would be great. Yeah. They're yeah. brilliant. Lots of different varieties. You can get them in whatever colour you want. If you want them to stay pink, uh, you're better to plant them... Well, Plant pink. Plant pink ones, but it does depend on the soil, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the exactly. color. So, but they're handy because they grow in heavy soil, they grow in damp soil, uh, they grow in full sun, or they grow in dappled shade. So that's perfect. Uh, oh, that's what they are. They're indicator plants. So if you plant a pink hydrangea and it stays pink, it means your soil is slightly limey. If you have a pink hydrangea and it goes blue, it means your soil is slightly acidic. Indicator plants. Yeah. That's What's good. a good indicator plant? Name me a good indicator plant. Hydrangea. Uh, rushes in a bog because it'll always say you know it's wet. wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you learn. We'll we'll do something. But that's another on topic. another day because yeah. I love that expression indicate because it makes you sound like, there for me. Sound like a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, but around the hydrangea, I'd put herbaceous geranium because that'll do well in dappled shade. Um, and Japanese anemone uh, produces midsummer amazing flowers. Takes over a little bit, but it sounds like you wanted to take over there. Yeah, that would be perfect. Just have the place covered in flowers for most of late summer. Yeah. So Fiona lives in the city centre, and she says, "What city centre? What city centre?" Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, I have to paint the picture of Fiona and where she lives okay. in my head before I can answer the question. Fiona lives in Cork City You're Centre. You're not really selling this to me, Paul. Does she have to be in Ireland? No. No? Okay. Fiona lives... Oh, she does. Because specifically in the question, 
Yes. <laughs> it's Ireland. So, uh, she does. So you pick a city centre. Fiona lives in Dublin city centre. And she says, I don't have a lot of space to garden. And I love the idea of a green wall and has two questions. Number one, any creeper or climbing plant that you would recommend for Ireland that is fast growing? Oh, I have a brilliant one. Not only is it fast growing, but it comes from Dublin city centre pretty much. Solanum, Crispin, Glasnevin. So it's a member of the potato uh, family. Really fast growing. It is robust. It's kind of wiry um, and... It needs could be clipping used, regularly. Needs clipping it. regularly. Could be used as a wall shrub or a climbing plant. Yeah. Uh, but it is covered all summer long, from now until October, November, in the most beautiful Blue, pale purple. bluey flowers yeah. with yellow centres. And it's just really vigorous. You do need to control it or train it a little bit, but it's wonderful. And the flowers are vibrant. They just stand out. Blue flower is an unusual colour in the garden. Blue is probably the rarest colour, so it's great to see something with a really bright, vibrant, bluey-purple colour. So flower. look for, in the garden centre, what was her name? Fiona. Fiona. Uh, Fiona, look for Solanum Glasnevin, because it was discovered in Glasnevin, in north of the city in Dublin, in the Botanic Gardens there, and it is one of the most popular climbing plants and garden plants worldwide at this stage. And Fiona's second question is, is ivy that bad for buildings or walls as I love them especially that it stays green all year round but she's continuously told that it's bad for structures yet all over Dublin you can see ivy covered houses that miracles of miracles are still standing yeah a bit of an old wives tale Uh, ivy can cause some damage but in general it doesn't People, it has little suckers, so it will attach. It's very, very handy as a climbing plant. Self-clinging. It will attach it itself to the building, yeah, so it's brilliant. self-clinging. But it doesn't really cause damage. And the good that causes is amazing. It keeps buildings cool during the day. It helps to keep them uh, uh, warm over winter. It creates an amazing habitat for all sorts of insects and pollinators and uh, produces flour and berries for birds. In the winter when nothing else is flowering and producing berries, so that's really good. And yeah, it's just evergreen cover, nice bit of habitat. And but don't let it get there. too vigorous, so trim it back every so often. But no, uh, it doesn't really, you know, there are the exceptional cases, but it doesn't really cause problems for most people. Uh, the building has to be sound. As long as the building is sound, it's good. I think there's even been research done lately showing where it's actually more beneficial to have something planted on your building than not for heat loss and all of that. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's insulation. It's another layer. What That's what we're doing with all our new buildings. We're insulating them as much as possible. There so. are plants that would take over a little bit. Like wisteria, if you don't prune it properly, will absolutely grow r- rampant. There's a couple more, but in general, ivy is fine. You have to maintain it, like anything. Dirt with Derma Gavin and Paul Smith. A Go Loud original. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Dirt with Dermot and Paul. It's been fun gardening in a car. Yeah, yeah, the car is full of soil and cactus and I'm looking forward to seeing how it does. It's baking hot already and they're looking a bit, but we'll see, we'll see. They love it. Um, We talked about what it's like to be on the receiving end of some Daily Mail readers vitriol, which was fun. I didn't think it would be fun, but it was quite fun. Yeah, they might even have you a lawnmower at this rate. The way they're <laughs> and listen, don't forget to check out our Instagrams to see any of the pictures and the video of the mobile cactus garden. And send in any questions you have to me and Paul. Any gardening question that you have. Or anything about Serbian politics. We're good on that. Are we? <laughs> um, next week, we're... We're going into two very different topics. We're going plant hunting with Paul. 
And we're talking about something a bit more serious, which is racism in horticulture. So we'll see you then.